We good? We're recording. Great. Uh, welcome to Alter Ego's uh, first podcast, uh, which is live from London Fields. I'm sitting in the middle of the park with Stephen Reed, and the purpose of this wait, podcast... Wait, wait, wait. It's not live. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Back to square one. Okay, okay. Wait, we just wait, like... wait, 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 Welcome to Alter Ego's first podcast. I uh, am joined by Stephen Reed. We are in uh, the middle of London Fields on a Monday morning uh, with a mic stand attached to a pair of sandals which are attached to a pair of runners, uh, which is symbolic of a very experimental approach we want to take uh, to the next phase of uh, the media channel. Uh, I'm talking with Stephen today uh, um, to uh, announce him as uh, the new co-director of Alter Ego. So about two months ago I put out a call for expressions of interest in being a co-director with me uh, and, uh, and to kind of share the joys and the sorrows of, uh, of doing something like Alter Ego. Um, and when I put it out I got lots of amazing expressions of interest but a number of people said to me, uh, what about Stephen? Uh, and the interesting thing is that Stephen actually uh, initiated and kind of created Alter Ego with me at the very beginning. We kind of had this vision of a gathering that would combine spirituality and politics. Um, and then when we were a couple of short steps into it, uh, Stephen went on his own journey to create the Psychedelic Society. Uh, and uh, it's interesting that it's now come full circle. Uh, so welcome to whatever this is, Stephen. <laughs> and, and actually how I remember it was, the Psychedelic Society already existed and I asked you to kind of get involved with the Psychedelic Society and uh, you kind of like, let's, let's turn it into Alter Ego. <laughs> yeah, 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 let's, yeah. Let's, let's stop doing all the psychedelic stuff and let's do a gathering of politics and spirituality. And I said, that sounds like a great idea. And, <laughs> yeah, and I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad it happened, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a real pleasure, privilege, delight to uh, be coming back to this topic and to be working more closely together again. Yeah, it's really cool. So this podcast is a kind of a, like how Stephen Reed currently sees the world. Uh, it changes minute by minute. And also <laughs> um, a kind of a broader sharing of uh, like our vision for Alter Ego and what's next and what we're seeing in the world. So it's, um, it's probably giving in a kind of a behind the scenes insight into where Alter Ego is going. It's currently a dog running around us uh, and, uh, and, and also just a kind of what Stephen will bring to it. Um, so my first question to you is, when I asked you, why did you say yes to the invitation? I think the big thing that's changed since the inception of Alter Ego for me is metamodern thought mm. and uh, uh, that metamodern thought is now sort of on the scene at play and do you want to explain maybe just briefly yeah, what so that is to anyone that doesn't uh, know uh, I became aware of metamodern thought through Metamoderna uh, and the book The Listening Society and it has this developmental perspective that uh, human beings and human cultures evolve in a kind of discrete fashion through a series of, of stages and that we are we some some people in some cultures may be entering a new stage uh, of metamodern uh, level thought and complexity and this uh, it's, it's strongly related to the, uh, the integral theory and the work of, of Ken Wilber before uh, 
though, though also in different in some important respects. I had come across that uh, in, in integral theory before and something about it made me feel quite uncomfortable when I first came across it. But uh, the in reading the Listening Society, I it, it, it's, it's just articulated in a way which allowed me to... Mm, it, 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 they call it psychoactive literature, the book. Mm. And the, the, the author, the fictional Hansi Franacht, actually plays with the reader mm. uh, and breaks down the various like, barriers and allergies you, people, many people do have to this kind of idea that there is some evolution in, in complexity over time. Um, until you're like, I think he's right. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. I think this is it. I think there's something yeah. very important in this way of thinking, yeah. and that that book and that um, this this line of thought has clearly had a, sh a profound influence on us both. Yeah. And so that for me feels like this, the kind of what was the missing piece, which is now kind of in pl in place, that yeah. has enables us to come to come back again with a really uh, some a really solid base. Yeah, and I think what's interesting was that when we both started uh, or initiated Alter Ego together, we were essentially influenced by <clears throat> spiritual practice, transformational festivals, you know, like the European Burning Man's and psychedelics meditation, which are all kind of broadly classified within the kind of the spiritual area. And Alter Ego was conceived of as reconciling spirituality and politics. And it was only when metamodernism came along that there was this coherent intellectual framework that actually took both spiritual and psychological growth seriously and said this not only happens on an individual level which kind of we can intuitively understand that people do grow and you can see people develop their character and become wiser but also it takes place on a cultural level societies themselves can move towards greater levels of emotional and spiritual depth greater levels of cognitive complexity and that that is itself a political project and I think that up until now that whole human development space has been kind of dismissed, I think, as just a bit, little bit new agey, maybe the purview of people who are privileged. And actually, it's now at, in the very early phases of becoming potentially a serious political program. There's new political parties starting uh, that have been inspired by it. And, and I suppose, you know, media channels like this and movements. So it's a really interesting space to be in. And, and for sure, it's it's unfinished still. Yeah. I mean, there's actually the Meta Moderna are about to release their, their second book of, of several I think they have planned. And Trilogy. It's, yeah. it's all you know. It's, it's very much a work in progress. And uh, so I'm, you know, I don't take it as, as gospel. Well, I do take it as, but it, nevertheless, it's been you know, very inspirational. And I'm keen to to contribute to co-create. <laughs> you know, this idea that that reality itself is is a co-creation is fundamental to this uh, to the meta modern perspective. So uh, I'm excited to be part of this with you and, and, and with them and this this growing community of meta modern thinkers to uh, to see what good this can do for for the world. Yeah. Okay. So I'm interested in. Maybe just like hearing more about your background. Uh, where I first heard about you was in left-wing grassroots activist politics. Uh, and I'm interested in just that trajectory of like your own political journey and how it's ended up in metamodernism and maybe just how you see things politically at the moment, yeah. knowing that that's a, a kind of unfolding thing. So I studied physics and complexity sciences, complexity sciences being a mathematical discipline. Uh, I was about to do a PhD uh, right. at Bristol on that topic and at the last minute uh, decided not to and instead 
uh, moved to France and lived in Strasbourg in France for six months. When I came back to the UK, I got heavily involved in the climate activism scene with a group called Climate Camp. And then after a year or so, it, with people who I've met at Climate Camp, we started another group, UK Uncut, which was an anti-austerity activist project uh, with a focus on tax dodging and, uh, and tax avoidance, tax evasion, saying that if the government collected uh, these billions of pounds worth of avoided taxes from these big corporations, then they wouldn't have to cut public services in, in, in a quite as harsh a way, at least, than they were doing at the time back in 2010, 2011, which was also around the time of the, the student protest, the student riots. It was a real, there was yeah. a really a lot going on that time, and, a, and many, many people became, you know, the era of politicisation. Um, Is it true that you forced Google and Starbucks to pay their taxes, so that you were a key player in that. We absolutely have played a you know a key role in changing the narrative from it being just like, well, fuck it, you know, that's how capitalism, neoliberalism works, suck it up. To no, this is you know morally unacceptable, yeah. and that companies that are found to do this, people will choose to shop elsewhere. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think we've made even in we've made some long-term difference to to that. I, I still get the sense that that tax dodging is you know looked down upon, frowned upon, and that corporates have changed some of their tax practices accordingly. Um, of course, but it, you know a single issue focus like that is never enough to to bring about the wider change that we all hope to see and we were all motivated by. Uh, so from there, uh, or around that time, I started working for a think tank, the New Economics Foundation, and co-founded something called the New Economy Organizers Network, which brings together... Uh, this is Neon. This is Neon. Neon. Uh, so brings together uh, activists and campaigners and journalists and trade unionists and a whole manner of people uh, interested in progress broadly progressive politics in this kind of left-wing frame. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I yeah, had a really interesting time there for a few years. Left that thinking that I would start a campaign on the basic income, mm. which I found a really inspiring idea at the time. Uh, but uh, in thinking through the basic income, I realised what I was really interested in was meaning and purpose and how people can craft those things in their lives. Uh, for some time I'd been using psychedelic drugs and what? psychedelic <laughs> I know tell me about it fire out huh um, and but and, and, for, and had very much seen them as something just kind of you know recreational or extracurricular if you like it's not really it wasn't really part of my politics mm. but I uh, and after my first time at Nowhere Festival actually which is a Euro the European one of the Europe the largest of the European Burning Man events uh, I became convinced that actually, no, this, that there was a very important political project to take place around psychedelics. Why? Uh, because they, uh, they certainly had offered me some of the most profound and meaningful experiences that I had had in my life to that point, uh, and had helped me sense this, this unity and interconnectedness of all things, this in, the, the interdependence that we have. Uh, between one another and the natural world at, at the very deepest levels and that seemed to me like a really great place to start to build a political movement and, and any political movement that like didn't have that perspective was like only going to get so far was going to be superficial in a way yeah. so and I don't think like it, I, I, I also don't think it's as 
simple and i wish it were as like you know let's all drop acid and then we're, you know the, we're, we're done that we've, we've changed the world uh but it was but this kind of more slightly more activist campaigning political uh, narrative around psychedelics was completely missing mm. uh, there was some research psychedelic research going on notably imperial college london which was very important in terms of giving me the confidence that this was mm. uh that yeah, there was good science behind this yeah. but uh but I f yeah i felt that mm, there was uh, that's well society had a lot to gain by having something like the psychedelic society uh you know, come into existence and so that psychedelic society has been going almost four years now and it's been my main project for all of the time it's been a real ride <laughs> and uh yeah, I, so maybe I could uh, ask just just one thing to come in at this point. So maybe to what the, maybe one of the reasons that like a lot of people when I put out the call for a co-director said why like why not Stephen Reed uh, is because they, I think like one of your gifts is this like you've got a, you're a real wizard at getting shit done and and making building systems and organizations and like you've scaled like psychedelic society from. You know, uh, like a, a, a one-person passion project to now what nine, 12 ten, pe twelve people, yeah. twelve people organization that's self-funding and like it's a serious achievement for like in a, in a very niche kind of new space. Um, and anyone that knows me knows that I am just completely feckless and useless when it comes to practical organizational things because I have my head in the clouds. But uh, so I really like saw the potential of like combining our gifts and in particular like your ability to initiate and, 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 and just experiment and get things done uh, was something that like really drew me towards like I've, I've wanted to kind of come back into a working partnership but like just to share that like this is one of the key reasons and like it's a huge achievement I think what has been done so far with the Psychedelic Society. Yeah, and also a lot of fun, and I, I hope that we can capture that same spirit of like aliveness and, and joy in in the work that we do together on all together. Yeah, Rico. amen. Yeah, and like that's that's kind of the big thing that I've realised this year is that like this has to be fun. Like it has has to like really be enjoyable, and I think it just got to a point of like it's difficult to hold any project on your own. It's just like it just becomes a burden, and like it's like you know there's no one to bounce ideas off. Uh, there's no one to share, like I said, like the sorrows and the joys with. So like this is a key thing. It's like okay, like I think that when we came together, like one of the first things we asked is like okay, like what's exciting for us? What's alive for us? What do we want to do next? Yeah. So maybe my if unless you had a, a, a pertinent question, we I'd like to ask you that. What what is alive for you yeah. in relation to alter ego? Uh, wow. Okay. So we've already mentioned the work of Meta Moderna. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated by uh, this the, the, well, the kind of ideas and community that's forming around Voice and Exit Festival in the States. Uh, so the work of people like Max Borders and Jordan Greenhall. Mm. Uh, I, Can you yep. explain briefly what Voice and Exit is? So Voice and Exit describes itself as Ted meets Burning Man, uh, which yeah sounds alright to me. Mm. And uh, I actually first became aware of the of these various individuals you know, appearing on podcasts and so on and then only subsequently discovered oh there's, there's this kind of festival gathering thing where they all you know, hang out and uh, I haven't been yet but I'm looking forward to going in, in May next year Great. Uh, so, so, to, 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 so to take those two so Max Borders has just uh, published a book The Social Singularity mm. which is uh, a very uh, it's, it's a very optimistic uh, well yeah yeah 
you know, forward-looking take on a decentralized world. His Max's big thing is uh, is, is kind of decentralization, meaning an end to politics as we know it, mm. um, in you know, in, in a very useful way. In, and so, uh, meanwhile, Jordan Greenhall is for me. Uh, uh, is, is just modelling a new way of having conversations mm. that, that I, I, and I would call something like he, he, he's into like meta conversations yeah. like conversations about conversations about, and being be, having this real focus on being extremely present with what is actually happening in, you know, in the body at the time at which these conversations on these sometimes very complex topics are occurring and he's never scared to just stop and pause mm. and, and say what is actually you know going on here? What's 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 the thing behind the thing? Yeah. Um, so what I like about this, what's what, what I see emerging is that, um, and this is a, a framing from Jonathan Rousen, is that it's not that we have all of these interconnected crises from ecology to econo- economics to resource scarcity. It's the meta crisis, which is the crisis in how we are making sense of it, in how we are talking about it, and that all of those in a polarized culture are limiting and narrowing and divisive and that a space seems to be opening up which is about taking a step back from that and almost analyzing the conversation let alone the issue that the conversation is about and also introducing probably insights from like psychotherapy and just kind of really understanding how do I bring myself to this conversation and what are aspects of me that maybe limit the conversation so as a, as a live example to practice this or to model this in this conversation I, I still have this air of nervousness talking about psychedelics um, in, a, in a public space um, primarily like concerned about what my you know my family might think about it my, my community in rural Ireland might think about it and, and that's just something that like if I'm not uh, maybe that, that if I don't share that and I'm open about that, that like unintentionally limits the conversation, yeah. you know. So yeah. there's an old attempt at it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And hmm. Hmm. It's it's a real practice. It's it's. Um, I feel like. I, we are really, really at the start of this journey of, of thinking in public. This is this phrase which, you know, we've, we've, it's popped up a few times in our conversations and it feels really, really important to me. Mm. Uh, that, uh, and, and actually, it's not just about like, you know, we're going to think in public and we want other people to listen what we're thinking. It's about inspiring everyone to do this yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and to step into that place of, of vulnerability. And and to and to feel uncomfortable and to feel like I don't really know what I think about this and yeah. like I've, maybe I've just said something that I'm going to regret and being okay with that and yeah. uh, because we sense this is exactly what's required it's yeah. to, to 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 discard and I've been you know been part of this this way of being for a long time there are uh, there are these like received frames. Uh, and for me, that's been a lot from the activist and like, like left-wing progressive political communities. Uh, that you know, this is broadly what you should think and say about this topic, and uh, like you, you shouldn't really ex- even really intellectually explore things outside of that. Yeah, the Overton window. And yeah. 
and it's so to uh, yeah to come into spaces where the where we don't know the answers and we don't assume that we know we know the answers mm. and uh, feels very important and feels and and at best you can have this sense of this real sense of, of creation that mm. you you are it, you're creating something important and new as yeah. you, as you speak rather than simply like I heard this thing or you know I, I read this thing and now I'm going to sort of parrot it back to you and there's nothing really yeah. original happening it's well, just scripted. It's essentially just people yeah. even if it isn't even if it isn't like you know like scripted word for word essentially it's just trying to uh, like show off in a way that that you, that you've yeah. of, of, that you've yeah it's and uh, I, I I have I, I have a sense that uh, I, that I certainly am just at the very beginning of learning how to do this well, and but I, I'm excited by the possibility of, of doing it and learning uh, what it takes to, to to think in public. Yeah. So I think that maybe that like is an indication of maybe the direction. When I say we want to take it, that maybe gives an impression that that's the solid static plan. We're almost like true to the principle of it is to, for that decision to be an inquiry and just to kind of experiment and feel into it. But to go from, we've, we, you know, we did a series of videos in kind of season one leading up to the summer uh, where, you know, they were, some of them were interviews, but it was quite prepared. And, you know, the last video we did on Jordan Peterson was like, you know, fully scripted. And there's a, a virtue in that to keep exploring that. Yeah. But it feels like the bigger shift that's happening is this, shift towards people thinking in public and that and that almost that is the maybe the roots of a deeper democracy that like everyone is having this conversation and it's moving away from this kind of basically just rehearsing ideological and political yeah, positions yeah, yeah, ad nauseum yeah. and like sniping at each other and shaming each other <laughs> towards coming together honoring in a kind of a, and this is maybe this is why metamodernism is so helpful is that it is a kind of a stage of political thinking that um, honors the correctness of a political position from that developmental perspective and so honors it and isn't trying to like shame it out of existence or deny it but rather say okay you're a traditionalist this is what you're bringing yeah. there is truth in that and there's probably a healthy expression of that mm -hmm. how does this find its way into a kind of a greater har harmonious political conversation yeah. knowing that there will be tensions and so I feel like the yeah it's maybe like a, a vision for this is like how can we best model that and that's scary because you know one of the things I think that we feel and face in, in our progressive circles is like staying within our tribal boundaries you know and like I really felt that like anxiety around even tacitly in, endorsing or even like entertaining Jordan Peterson yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like for fear of what you know friends of mine who are you know in like queer trans communities will think and say about that and like that this is where the person is political because yeah. there's this sense of like oh will I be rejected by my friendship group and yeah. and so it is it's tricky territory you're asking a lot of people yeah um, but I'm I'm really optimistic that there are a lot there are many people that are, that are ready to have these conversations that want to have these conversations or these you know, this type of conversation and we yeah we're, we're blessed to to have connections to many fascinating people involved in many different interest, you know, projects, um, political and otherwise, and I'm super excited to see who 
you know we do talk to over the coming weeks and months and mm. new perspectives that we can co-create together mm. so um, I'll ask you now so what are some of the, uh, the ideas and, and potentially you know, authors and, and whatever that uh, have particularly inspired you and you can the ideas that you can imagine investigating over the coming weeks um, a big question for me uh, that I'm sitting with is the degree to which this is or should be an explicitly political project. We kind of started off with this kind of huge frame of spirituality and politics, i.e. everything in between. And obviously like a lot of activists and MPs and people in the political space can, but it feels like politics is this acute expression of the crisis, but its roots are so deeply cultural and systematic in just our ways of being, our, the architecture of society, our infrastructure, that it requires a wholesale transformation. Maybe this emphasis on decentralization is getting at like a kind of a, a remaking of the so, what Meta Moderna would call the social fabric of everyday life. And so for me, one of my, the questions that I'm sitting with is the degree to which we should be focusing on actual politics, people entering in as political parties with this developmental perspective, or whether it should be about the kind of online cultural space, or even just mainstreaming personal development. So I'm like, I'm si I've, I've always been sitting with that confusion, but I'd like to, particularly because I'm going to a gathering in uh, New York on Wednesday, which is kind of coming from people who have been in the Impact Hub, Lumio, and Spiral world, which are all organizations that are about networks, that are about kind of facilitating decentralized self-organization. And I'm really, and I kind of have been invited from the perspective that Ronan brings this polit political perspective and this, and is building a political network. And I'm kind of like, am I onto the right thing or are you? And like, and, 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 we're, and, and so I'm interested to see how that's evolved, how that evolves. So that's kind of number one. And that's, that's not just like an abstract question. That's a strategic question for us in terms of, you know, if we organize a gathering, do we bring together political folk or do we bring together countercultural folk or, yeah. or what? Um, and obviously if anyone's listening to this and has a sense of that, that would be really great to hear. And actually one thing I would love to maybe invite is if people want to leave comments on this podcast, to leave comments as videos and yes, actually show yourself and allow yourself to be seen um, it would be really really amazing and I would and, and definitely will engage back with, with video comments as well so that's one and then the other one is this kind of question that uh, is what is the role that identity <coughs> politics plays in progressive politics and I think that like because we're in these metamodern circles there is this, um, from a progressive place, a critique of identity politics. I did like a kind of an interview, a kind of, I did an interview with David Fuller of Rebel Wisdom, outlining like some of the issues with that. Probably there isn't space and time to go into it. Um, and the degree to which like th that identity politics uh, is um, problematic or that we're not understanding it deeply enough. So I'm currently also reading why I'm no longer talking to white, uh, white people about race, and, and it's kind of maybe a time for me to do more homework before you can truly offer a critique. So also really keen to reach out to people who are just more knowledgeable and steeped in feminist thinking and in intersectional thinking, and to figure out like what's, rather than it being this like rejection, critique, defensiveness, like is there a, a generative dialogue to be had in that space? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're the, the two things currently that are, are alive for me. Great. Mm. Mm. And you, Stephen? Well, I... 
just to come to this question of, you know, is this a political, explicitly political project or, or not, and what should it be? And uh, I suppose for me, the what we think is important is secondary to what makes us feel alive, mm. and can, you know gets us out of bed in the morning in a way which we're like, yes, I'm really excited about this, mm-hmm. and the more yeah and it and it's it's tricky sometimes you're right because there, there things can pop up where it seems like there's a there's a big opportunity here in a kind of mainstream sense of there's you know whatever some a meeting with some mainstream politician or there's you get invited to some conference which is kind of still in that in that very kind of old mm. built in, in this old way of doing things and you're, you're going to be invited to present something in a very like slick and polished way and people were going to kind of like politely clap mm. afterwards and uh it's i'm really curious to see how that that feels and how we navigate that mm. uh, that we you know if and when we will be kind of like tempted back into like what we kind of i think feel like old ways of doing things and ways which aren't really going to take us that much further forwards versus having the yeah the, the the courage to uh conduct ourselves in a way which feels you know new and interesting to us and 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 to have you know and the courage to talk about the topics which mm. we feel are important to talk about mm. and, and and that for for us is going to be stuff which is us both coming from this kind of left-wing progressive background is going to be as you described the topics which uh are are kind of you know sacred to that that left that progressive political perspective like um, the identity politics stuff and mm. uh, but I'm, I'm i i sense that the time is right the time is right that that we can and will have some really you know yeah enjoyable intelligent conversations on these mm. topics and and break new ground i hope create something new yeah and also yeah you really touched on something which is a dilemma i'm sitting with which is Obviously, like on a person in my personal life, I really move in countercultural circles, very influenced by like Burning Man culture, and like it's you know in relation to like the the mainstream, it's it's pretty far out. Um, and then, at least for the first two gatherings, it was a real attempt to be a bridge to a more mainstream world and to invite you know a more like mainstream MPs and heads of think tanks. And I think there's a real virtue in that in introducing people who have maybe some. Uh, and again, this is my perception of influence, and uh, and yet also be true to ourselves. And yeah. like, where's the line there? So like, yeah. just as a, as an example, like I'm going to when I'm saying I, I did a Facebook post about going to New York, and I was like, I'm really just. It was the end of festival season. I was like, I'm really just going to go with like, this is how I'm feeling, being authentic. And I posted a picture, two pictures, one a normal one of me, a normal one, even though it's like <laughs> fucking framing, and another wearing like a pink wig. And like, I really felt like, fuck, have I just got like, if I overstepped <laughs> the mark now and just fucked alter ego completely. And like, I'm just really aware, like, in, like when I come back, I'm going, I'm meeting uh, a, a lord in the House of Lords to talk about alter ego. Yeah, and I'm yeah, just yeah. like, right, like, obviously, I'll be, am, I, I'll be, am I, I going to wear the pink wig? Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> the pink wig will be left at home, but like, you know, like, the, and, and, but I also think that you can underestimate people and the, I suppose the degree to which they understand that conventional ways are not working and breaking yeah. down and that there is something even if it's not the whole thing in the new but I th- I, I'm still I think that there's just this uh, fine balance between 
really bringing the counterculture and also understanding that there's a huge value in 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 I, I suppose like I think when it will really work is when you have the counterculture and lots of different voices in the mainstream saying the same yeah. thing and that's yeah, kind of when it expands and like a good example actually and is you know Michael Pollan the food mm -hmm. writer who wrote mm -hmm. about psychedelics and it's like ah oh, finally the mainstream yeah. are on board with psychedelics and it just opens up yeah. this wider conversation yeah and so I mean I, I guess I could have written a book about, about psychedelics you know, in 2014, when I started Psychedelic Society. So uh, we each we each have a place, we each play a role, and it's going to be interesting to work out to what extent Alter Ego is a kind of trailblazer and like really like pushing the boundaries of the Everton window, and mm. uh, and maybe it has maybe it stays. It, the audience is smaller and more niche, but mm. it, that it's it, it's filtering through in important ways, or whether we decide to go for or just simply end up attracting uh, a, a larger audience and where we feel like we're kind of more directly interfacing with the mainstream I think yeah they, they both have value and I'm not even really sure which mm. way it's going to turn out but uh, and that's uh, and I mean and I'm up for having kind of strategic conversations on that but um, but you know I say again first and foremost on this basis of like what you feels fun like yeah, what's what's, exciting, what's yeah. gonna what's gonna yeah, yeah. like yeah <laughs> is that the new theory of change of in what progressive may, circles what's, what's what feels make, fun what's gonna, well, what's i can't make, wait to tell that to the german foundation no, fun, fun, <laughs> fun is okay let's let's uh, let me broaden it a bit from fun but what's yeah what's gonna make you hop out of bed in the morning yeah, and be like yeah. this is really there's a kind of inner rightness to yeah, this yeah. rather than feeling like heavy and stuck and like yeah. i can't i just i've never and it's I guess it's, it's an experiential thing like yeah. not, when times in my life where I felt that like that heavy stuckness mm. nothing good has come of it you know yeah. it's, <laughs> and, yeah. it's, and it's, yeah. it's especially when it's been associated with uh, with decisions that I kind of the things that I kind of knew I didn't want to do or like decisions that I kind of knew were bad yeah. or yeah. Um, so I yeah I hope we can sort of stay uh, well, have, just have that balance between the head and the heart because for sure there's going to be a lot of you know head and like intellectual yeah. conversation in you know, going on with, over the next you know, well, on this channel um, but uh, to, to, to stay with the heart and the feeling and, the, and to, to, to model this vulnerability it feels uh, like a fascinating challenge and something I'm up for should we leave it there? let's great <laughs>